Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. Your host is Bernadette Schwert, who you'll find at copyschool.com, and you can find out more about all our copywriting courses at copywritingcourses.com.au. Now, over to Bernadette. If you're a copywriter and you'd like to expand your services and create a long-term stream of income, you should consider becoming a ghostwriter. What even is a ghostwriter? Well, in many senses, a copywriter is the ultimate ghostwriter in that we write content for a specific client. We are largely invisible. We don't seek credit for the work we do. And we work hard to become the voice of that brand. If you'd like to offer ghostwriting as a service, this is the episode for you. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. I'm also the author of two best-selling business books and also a ghostwriter of four business books. Now, I often get asked how I got started as a ghostwriter, how it works, what I charge, who I work for, how I find my clients, and much more. So I thought I'd dedicate an entire podcast to it. Now, learning how to be a great copywriter and tell a great story is the essence of being a good ghostwriter. Fortunately, you can learn those same skills in our foundation copywriting courses. Mel Kingston, one of our students, did, and she said, I'm so glad that I chose this course because in five short weeks, it gave me the industry knowledge that I needed, a formula for writing copy for any medium, and the confidence to start charging for my work. So if you'd like to learn more, visit writercenter.com.au forward slash essentials or copyschool.com. And if you like our podcasts, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. If you're a copywriter and you'd like to expand your services and create a long-term stream of income, you should consider becoming a ghostwriter. Now, what even is a ghostwriter? Well, in many senses, a copywriter is the ultimate ghostwriter in that we write content for a specific client. We are largely invisible and we don't seek credit for the work and we work hard to become the voice of that brand. Ghostwriting is not that different. For those who don't know what a ghostwriter is, um, the kind of ghostwriting I do that I'll outline here in this podcast is the art of writing a book for a specific person as if you were them. You tell their story for them as if they had written it. There are no fingerprints on it from you. There are lots of caveats to that, which I'll outline, but in principle, that is what a ghostwriter is. Now, some ghostwriters are more ghostly than others, but in principle, we stay in the background and let our clients claim the credit for our words. And we do it for a fee, of course. Now, I often hear people say, hey, that's not fair. You should get a cover credit or royalties. And I say, no, not necessarily. That might be part of the deal, but mostly it's not. And that's not what I personally seek. So let's start at the beginning. Why would copywriters be good at this? Well, because it's just like a copywriting job but on steroids. It's one really big copywriting job where you use all the skills you might need to, say, write a white paper or an ebook or a website. And the skills are similar in the sense that you need to be a good listener. 
You need to ask discerning questions, know your outcome, build trust and rapport with your client, have a framework for writing, write for a target market, use conversational language, leverage great headlines, write in a lively and engaging way, take on a range of voices, uncover little-known facts and create something that stands out on the bookshelf so that people choose your book over theirs or others. So as you can see, it's just like copywriting and copywriters, as we know, make great authors. Peter Carey, Don DeLillo, James Patterson, Salman Rushdie, Linda LaPlante, Bonnie Garmus, who wrote Lessons in Chemistry. They were all copywriters before they became famous authors. So why be a copywriter and who is it perfect for? Well, I'll start by explaining the kinds of ghostwriting I do. I'll explain how I found my first few copywriting or my ghostwriting jobs. And then I'll explain the benefits of why I enjoy ghostwriting. And I'll explain the challenges too. And also what ghostwriters can get paid for. So my ghostwriting started with the writing of my first book, Secrets of Online Entrepreneurs. I wrote this book in response to a genuine interest I had in how others marketed their online businesses. Now, my business, which was and is the Australian School of Copywriting, sold online courses in copywriting. And I was curious as to how others sold their online products. So I just rang up the most high profile people I could find and I asked them if they would be open to being interviewed. And they said, yes, they were incredibly generous. Now, those interviews became part of a TV show called Secrets of Online Entrepreneurs, which was a chat show. And then those interviews became the basis of that book. Now, that book did really well and continues to sell well. And that led to a second book called How to Build an Online Business. So there's a method to my madness here. So I'm telling you this for a reason. So I interviewed in total on both books around 50 to 60 entrepreneurs about how they built their online businesses. And one of the gentlemen that I interviewed in the first book was a man called Gabby Libovich, and he was the co-founder of the online marketplace Catch of the Day and Scoupon, and one of the original team who launched Menulog in Australia. Now, four years after my book came out that he was in, he emailed me and he asked if I knew of anyone who could help him tell his story because that's what he wanted to do. And I was just about to pass this job on to a friend of mine who was a a ghostwriter. And then I thought, actually, I wouldn't mind doing that myself. And uh, I'd never done it before. And uh, I didn't really know what was involved or what to charge or how to ghostwrite anything. And and just as I was about to pass it on, I said, you know what, I'm going to put myself forward for this. So I did. And Gabby met with me and we negotiated a a project fee and we started work. So it was a really fantastic outcome. I didn't think I'd ever get to be a co-writer, but I am. And and I have to say that project was one of the highlights of my professional career at that time. And it was an incredibly challenging project because I'd never done it before. And there was a lot of businesses, a lot of people and a lot of events that took place. But it was really, really rewarding. And that book became a bestseller and was voted in the top three best business books of 2020 in the Australian Business Book Awards. And that led to a second book, which I can't nominate who that was for. Uh, But he was in the pub industry. He had a $100 million pub empire. And that was also voted in the top three best business books the following year. And that led to a third book, How to Build a Business Others Want to Buy, is what we called that one. And that was by Kobe Simet. 
Uh, He was one of Australia's top business coaches. And that led to a fourth book called How to Build a Billion Dollar Business for Radix Sally, the former CEO of Swiss, the vitamin company, who took a business with 30 staff that turned over around $13 million to become a $2 billion business. So that's a summary of the books I've written and ghostwritten. So let me tell you now about the process. Um, And I'll tell you what I like about the process as well, why I like being a ghostwriter, because that might resonate with you as well. Um, And I'll also share with you the challenges as well, because I don't want to um, sugarcoat it. You know, it's a challenging, challenging job. Um, So first up, what do I like about it? Well, I really like the fact that it's one big project. It goes for around 10 to 12 months. So you can really get stuck into it without distraction. And whilst I love variety and I really enjoy those short, sharp and shiny projects that last for a month or two with copywriting, as well as the retainers that are great for consistency, with ghostwriting, you get to work with one client. You get paid well to deliver one big copywriting job and you focus only on that. Um, I just find it's a really nice contrast to the short-term projects that we generally as copywriters get to work on. I really also like that I get to spend a lot of time together with this one person, and I really enjoy the personal rapport and relationship that develops with these uh, really incredibly interesting people. Um, What I also like is that because you only work with one person uh, who makes the call as to whether they like the copy or not, you know, there's no committees, there's no you know, debate uh, around a table as to whether this copy will be approved or not. It's really up to that person as to whether they like it and whether it pleases them. So I like that I get to know that person very well and I I get literally very privileged access to their entire life from their childhood to the present moment and access to their corporate journey as well because often it's about their business as much as it is about them. I really also like the fact that I get to indulge my insanely curious mind and get to ask them almost any question I want of this incredibly interesting person. Now, I'm on a mission to tell their story in the best possible way. So I have to know what makes them tick. Why do they do what they do? And how do they become so successful? It's a really enjoyable and inspiring way to spend my time. Now, most people have to go to Harvard university or enroll in an expensive management course to get access to that kind of knowledge. And I get to have it simply by sitting down with my clients um, in this role as a ghostwriter. So I find it incredibly um, rewarding on that level. I also like that at the end of the process, we have a very specific tangible product. It's a book. And that unlike copy, which is mostly ephemeral, um, it actually lives in the real world. It can be passed on from person to person. It can be read by many, and it has the potential to make a material difference in the lives of that reader or the life of that reader. Now, my clients have told me, and I've certainly received things like this myself through my own books, but we get emails and messages from people saying that we've changed their lives, you know, that this is the book I needed to read and it's transformed my business and therefore my life. Um, And I find that, again, very well, rewarding so if we as writers are seeking to make a change this kind of feedback does make you feel like you've created something very useful and like I said it sits on a bookshelf you can take it down you can read it it will live on for as long as there is interest in this book so it's lovely to have that really solid tangible um, production you know at the end of your work 
So you might be wondering, well, why do these people write a book? Well, they write books for a range of reasons, and they're as different as the people involved. Mostly it's to share their knowledge about how they created a successful business so that others can fast forward their own journey without having to make the same mistakes. Now, they maybe want to share their history with their family and their children, their colleagues who helped them build the business and acknowledge that contribution. Um, And they often just want to say thanks to everybody that was part of that journey. You might be wondering, why do they hire a ghostwriter? Why, Why don't they just do it themselves? Well, there's lots of reasons here too. Firstly, they just don't have the time. And I'll talk more about time and how much time it really does take. It's insane. Um, They don't like writing. It's not their thing. They may not speak English as a first language. They may not just be a good writer. It's just not their skill set. They don't know how to start. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot to it and they just really don't know what those mechanics look like. They don't know what to say, what to keep in, what to leave out. There's a lot that goes into a book that most people aren't aware of until you do it. Um, And they like that they can be guided by someone like me or another ghostwriter who's done it. You know, we have that experience. We know the process. We know what to look for. We know what the hiccups are. We know what the pitfalls are. And they also want to know that someone's got their best interest at heart. And that's a very important component of being a ghostwriter. I often get asked, how long does it take? And that is also quite um, different depending on the project. Sometimes things the client really wants to move it along quickly. Other times they just say, I'm really happy to take as much time as it needs. Um, in general, my, my clients and I spend a lot of time together. I would set up around at least minimum 10 interviews, often more, um, to get the process underway and those interviews happening. And each of those calls would last for around two to three hours at a, at a minimum. Um, I'll meet with them in their home, at their business. I'll spend time with them. I would visit their home, their families, their wives, their husbands, their their, extended family. Um, I speak to their colleagues. And sometimes I just really like hanging out with them, you know, where they live, Um, maybe go for a drive. We we look at their childhood home, look at their childhood school, their high school. You know, we just want to get a, a big picture of who this person is and often it's in those conversations that some really interesting um, little tidbits, you know, get revealed about what actually happened. And I'm listening all the time and I record every moment of those conversations because often it's those little moments that can unlock the, the key to that person as to why they are like they are. I read everything I can about that person online. I read their references, like they might send me books that they really enjoyed or that represent um, a value that that's dear to them. Uh, I read everything about their industry and I just absorb as much as I can. I become a real sponge and that's just the starting point. We haven't even written a word, right? So you can see how the time can really add up. So it takes around four to six months to write the manuscript and then uh, a few months for the publisher to edit it and then a few months to get it on the shelf. So on average, allow about a year for the project. I do get involved for the entire process. That's just me. I want to ensure that the book we start with is the book that we end with. I do get involved with the editing. I don't do the editing, but I absolutely get involved and I make sure that we're on track. Um, I get involved with the cover titles, the back cover blurb, the Amazon web copy. I have my fingerprints as much as I can on the project because I want to shepherd it in a way that um, protects the client. 
Now, not every ghostwriter does that, but I certainly do. So you might be thinking, how do you get started as a ghostwriter, right? Because it's a fabulous extension of what a copywriter does. It just makes complete sense. So I won't talk about how to find your first client because I've sort of talked about that, but let's just assume you've got your first client. So, and this is in no particular order. It's really hard because it all kind of happens at the same time, but you need to kind of work out with the client what they want the book to do for them, okay? And a lot of ghostwriters ghostwriters don't do this because they don't have a marketing background, but it's absolutely a marketing tool. So I'll ask, what is the objective? And, you know, there's often a number of different objectives that they want this book to achieve for them. So, um, like I said, it might be, they want to write a memoir or a, a personal biography that's just for family and friends. Um, that obviously dictates how it gets written, what we cover and what we do next. Um, this can get muddled as we go down the process because they might change their mind and they think, you know what, I really want this to actually be a publicly available book and a bestseller. So we always have to balance that. I've got to keep bringing them back to the original objective. Like I said, it is a marketing tool for the client to use to either promote themselves, their business, their ideology, their causes or their beliefs. Um, First and foremost, we want the book to sell well. Okay, let's assume it is a commercial book, not just a what we call a vanity project. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just something for them to share with their family. So, um, so, you know, we have to acknowledge that this is if this is going to be a best-selling business book, then it's got to be done in a certain way, right? We're not going to be covering all sorts of stories. It's got to be specific. Um, the other task I have to balance is I need to honour their story. Like as much as we'd like to say this happened and we sold the business for $50 billion, it, it, well, it didn't get sold for $50 billion. You know, it got sold for 500000 So whatever is actually happening, you need to honour their story and find the interesting um elements within that. Uh, the book needs to be able to share some insights that are useful to the reader because it's not just enough to write a book about this person and what they did. It needs to be translated and synthesized in some way so that the reader can take it and make it applicable to their lives. So that's when the books become really useful. And ultimately, we want the kind of books where people dog ear at the pages or highlight with yellow or stick that post-it note in so it becomes almost like a reference Bible for them. That, to me, is the sign of a, a book that's been very useful to a reader. The book needs to have a narrative arc so that people are interested in finishing the book. And that's where, you know, the, the stories come into play, and that's another topic I'll talk about in just a moment. It needs to be legally compliant so that no one gets hurt in the telling of the stories. And often, um, you know, in big business and successful businesses, there's often been a lot of argy-bargy stuff going on. So we have to be discerning as to what we do tell and what we don't. Um, so the role of the ghostwriter is to be that discerning ear for the client uh, to be a sounding board for them to say, you know, is this interesting? Is this something is relevant? Um, my job is to challenge the author to ensure that what we're writing reflects the goals that they started with. Now, I've got a 30-year career in, in marketing and advertising, uh, so I'm always bringing my marketing lens to the project because if we don't keep the market in mind, then we create something that might be of interest to the client and their family, but that's all that would be interested. And we want the book to have mostly the widest possible readership as possible. So we need to balance the needs of the client with what the market wants to read. 
And that's where marketing is good. You know, like I come up with customer avatars and I think, well, who are our three groups that we want? And when we're working at which story we we showcase, we work at, well, which avatar would this be of interest to? So, you know, there's um, there's a lot of marketing that goes into the writing of the book as well, not to mention the words, right? So I use the copywriting principles all the time, headlines and subheadlines and connecting words and link phrases and all the things. If you've done my courses, you know that these are the things that I absolutely bring to the page um, on every page. So a couple of questions to consider when you start um, writing a ghostwriting project is what does what problem does this book solve for the reader? And how can we tell this story in a way that's never been told before that will keep the reader entertained? Now, it's no secret that there are hundreds of books on leadership and culture and marketing and sales and communication. So how will this book be different? So, and as you can see by the titles of my books, we start with a how-to headline, right? So that we have a framework for what the book is about and it may be, just so we can get started really we we don't we're not locked into that title at the very beginning but we do need some kind of gps as to well what's the book about right um and what stories will we tell and what often happens by the end of the writing process we think you know what that how-to headline actually worked and we're so used to saying it it just becomes you know the name of the book and often from an seo point of view the how-to headline is good as when someone types up that question in Google, the book will show up because we're answering a very specific question. So that's, you know, that's an important component. What problem does this book solve and how are we going to do it differently to the others? The next thing that I'm really big on, and I really enjoy this aspect as well, is working out what are the the values of the author? You know, what do they hold dear? And a couple of questions I might use to frame that would be, you know, if you had to share 20 tips or lessons with a reader that was super important to you in your journey, what would they be? Um, so if another way of looking at it is what's your manifesto, right? If you had to write the, the ultimate uh, document that summed up your position on life, what would you say? What would you want to communicate? So that's a really nice way to understand what's important to the client. And often we'll use, or often we always do, we use those values as a starting point for what stories we tell. Um, which brings me to my next point, you know, what stories do we include in the book? And by the way, you've got to tell stories. You can't just do platitudes. You need to back it up with really rich, varied, entertaining stories that represent the values and principles that I just talked about. And as I said, we know that most books cover the same territory, but what makes them unique and different and compelling are the stories of that person because they're unique. No one else can take those. They belong to that person. So I personally use the hero's journey as a template to tell my stories because it's just unbeatable. And I use this technique throughout all my books to ensure the reader finds them compelling. So if you'd like to learn more about the hero's journey and how that applies to copywriting in particular, um, I talk about that in great detail in the email marketing and copywriting course. So that might be of interest to you. And by the way, you, the stories don't need to be epic to be interesting. You don't need to have done amazing things to write a good business book. Um, my clients often do have epic stories and that's why they've been successful, but you don't need to have huge wins and losses to make a story interesting. And that's where the hero's journey is a really fabulous way to unpick small little moments in your life that were telling, but become interesting for the reader as well. 
So once you know what the principles or values are that the client holds dear, then we find the best stories that represent those values. And then we use the hero's journey to tell those stories in a compelling way. And by the way, if you were to read the stories on the pages of the books that I've written, you probably wouldn't notice that there's a process being used to tell them. The process should remain invisible. Anyone who knows the hero's journey will be able to spot it. But for the most part, most people don't. But that visible, we don't want that um, you know, framework to be seen. Um, and that's what keeps the reader engaged. They want to think, oh, what's happening? Oh, oh my God, oh, what's happening? You know, what, what, how did this end? You know, that's kind of the, the goal we want for the reader to have, even in a business book. So once we've established the client's goals, the problem we solve, the stories we want to tell and their values, I then do a timeline, right? This is so important. I have, um, I stumbled on this really when I did my first ghostwriting thing because the the guys, the two brothers, the Leibovich brothers had such a complicated business history. There were so many businesses and ones were starting, ones were finishing, ones were being sold. And there's all this overlapping. It's like, oh my gosh, how do I you know, even get it right in my head? So from now on, since then, I do a very, very detailed chronology of their personal life and their business life as well. As I said, Many of these people have very complicated business lives with many twists and turns, lots of buying and selling of businesses, uh, lots of exiting, lots of launching. So I really need to know everything that happened. I need to know the dates, sometimes right down to the day, really, if it's been a you know complicated transaction. Um, I need to know the amounts that the business sold for. I need to know the financing kind of structure about what made that deal so you know, successful. I need to know the people who are involved. I need to know exactly what happened. Um, I also need to know about their parents and their families as to what role they played in the business as well. So that family background is really important to me and the relationship with their parents is really important um, as this can often shed insight as to who they are and why they do what they do. In fact, I can probably rephrase that and say it almost always has something to do with their family and most often their parents. Now, I have made mistakes in the past where I did not do a full timeline or I did an augmented line or I just did a basic timeline, but that was a big mistake. I might have glossed over certain things or I just didn't go fully into what happened at that particular time. And I have to say, it just causes problems downstream when you have to go back and find that specific date or event just to get it right in your head. So that would be my big tip. Do a full chronology at the beginning of the process. And one of the realities of writing a book, and it's a real challenge too for everybody, is that you can't fit everything into the one book. It would be nice, but you can't. So I say to my clients that a book is like an album of your greatest hits. And so we need to share the best songs of your life or stories, as the case may be, that showcase the key principles you want to share. Now, a good copywriter or ghostwriter rather will help the client sift through the dozens, if not hundreds of stories of their life and find the ones that best represent the principles or values that they hold dear. So how do you know what the greatest hits are, right? Well, that's another you know challenge within the process. Um, and one of the things that I studied, in fact, many of the things that I've studied over the years and the jobs that I've done has really set me up to be a ghostwriter, it was kind of incidental. But um, 
you know, I've got a marketing degree. I worked extensively in advertising. Um, lots of questioning of clients, lots of trying to get to the nub and the, the the nut of an idea or a concept. I've been an actor, so I understand voice, I understand scripts, you know, what reads well, what doesn't read well, and ultimately a book is really a script because it, it will probably get read out by an audio book person at the end of the day. And that, by the way, that's a really good litmus test for your book because if you read it out loud and you don't stumble, that's a really good sign. Um, I've studied screenwriting, right? Um, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a meditation teacher. So I'm really into my mindfulness and getting really calm and clear and just having a lot of you know presence of mind so that I don't jump in and I don't project myself onto the client and all that kind of stuff. But the acting and the screenwriting, are, I'd say two of the really key elements that have made my life as a ghostwriter a lot easier, um, simply because I understand the hero's journey and I understand the principles of, you know, what makes a good story. But one of the things I learned through screenwriting that I studied was the concept of turning points, right? Now, every movie script has a series of turning points where the audience is left hanging, not knowing which way the story is going to go next, right? That's what makes for a good movie. Um, I'm one of those terrible audience members where I sit with my friend or partner or whatever and I go oh I, I tell you what's going to happen next that guy he's going to do this and, and they're like shh I actually came to watch the film not to be told you know what's going to happen but I'm like I know exactly what's going to happen I'm very annoying but anyway that to me is a sign of a good film when you do not know what's going to happen right that surprise element is what we want so in terms of the turning points with my clients I say to them out of everything that happened to you in your business journey and your life's journey from when you were like a kid Please tell me the moments that stuck with you, that are seared into your mind, the moments where things could have gone terribly wrong and did or didn't or went terribly right or did or didn't. And any moments that you just cannot get out of your head, these are the moments I need to know about. And this is a wonderful way to establish those high adrenaline moments for the clients, which if written well, will become page-turning moments for the reader. So I use these turning points like guide ropes or grab ropes, you know, if I was climbing up a mountain that I, I use to leap from one key moment to another because I, I just can't tell everything. So I've just got to find those big turning points. One of the things that I say to my clients before I begin is that I may not be right for you, you know, because I need to do certain things in the process that they may not really want to be subjected to. Uh, let me explain. Um, for example, challenging the client. You know, you've got to have the presence of mind to be able to challenge the client. So building trust and rapport with your client is very important. As they, are they they're taking you into their confidence and potentially telling you things that no one else knows or should know or the truth about a situation that's been kept private. So building trust is important. And they have to feel certain that I can contain those confidences, which I do. I take that very seriously. If people want me to sign an NDA, I do. I've never been asked, but I am happy to do it because it shows goodwill. So I say to my clients before they engage me, if you are looking for an order taker, a person who just write anything or do as they're told, I'm probably not the best person for you. So I say to them, look, I'm with you on this. I'm invested in this as much as you are maybe not 100%, but 99% because their name's on the book. I'm your advocate and I want you to look amazing and I want you to be seen as the incredible person you are, 
with all your strengths and all your vulnerabilities, which, by the way, we really have to show as well. Nobody wants someone who just succeeds all the time. We need to see where things didn't go well. So that um, you know, people understand who you are and why you do what you do or what you did and what makes you tick, what makes you unique. Why were you able to succeed in this endeavour when so many before you did not? They are the stories we want to tell. So for me to do that well, I need to have the courage to challenge my clients and ask them those tricky questions, right? And that's where that sense of questioning comes into play. So I use a rule of three to do this. And it's actually a copywriting skill with clients as well that you're most welcome to, to use. Um, and it's a wonderful way of communicating strong feelings that you have that they may not agree with, right, without getting them offside. So I say at the very outset, this is my script. We're in this together. I want the best for you. And I believe, or if I believe, I should say that we need to do something in a certain way I will advocate for it three times. If on the third time I can't convince you to see my point of view and you really, really want to include that or say it in that way, then I'll say, absolutely, I acquiesce. Now, they appreciate this because they want someone who's going to fight for their ideas and not just buckle at the first sign of dissent or disagreement. But at the same time, it respects the fact that this is ultimately their book and they need to be happy with what's being said and how it's being said. So that's my little tip for how to get around a situation where you really want it to go a certain way, but you don't want to push too hard. I often get asked, do I get a cover credit? Um, now, it's entirely negotiable between you and your client. If you want to be listed on the cover, ask the client. Give them a good reason as to why you think you should be listed. And it could be because your name can help generate more sales or drive traffic to the website or shine more light on the book. I mean, every book needs all the help it can get. So having a second name on the book can be useful. You may not want to put your name on it for whatever reason. You may not agree with the content. You may not like the content. Um, you may want to do another book in this category, in this sector. And you may not want to be seen to be endorsing something for whatever reason. So there's lots of pros and cons of attaching or not attaching your name to a book. But ultimately, it is the client's decision, right? Um, and it's best to get this worked out at the very beginning so you both know where you stand. Now, the big question, what do ghostwriters get paid? Well, let me say this. Every project is different and every client is different. Um, everyone's got different budgets. So it depends on a lot of factors. Things like how long will the book be? Some books are 50,000 words, some books are 60, some are 80, some are 100. What will you do for your client? Will you do, as I do, help them find a publisher and project manage the entire process from conception to completion, from when the book begins to when it lands on the shelf? Will you write the publishing proposal? Will you help them negotiate the best deal? Will you work with the editors and typesetters in the publishing house? Will you offer unlimited revisions in order to get the book done? Will you proofread the document? Will you help them sort out the permissions process in terms of getting people have been mentioned in the book of their approval? Will you get involved with sorting out the legals and the intellectual property and the images? All these things will come up, so you need to know what you can offer and what you can't. So in terms of fees, here's a couple of guidelines to keep in mind. Firstly, let's think about 
the book Prince Harry wrote, okay, that blockbuster spare. And his ghostwriter was J.R. Moringa, who was allegedly paid $1 million, Australian dollars, for that particular role. So that's a good starting point, right? (laughs) Um, But keep in mind there's a few things. Firstly, minimum or kind of average 80,000 words. That's a lot of words. It's a big project. It takes around nine months to 12 months to write with lots of revisions, lots of words written that will never see the light of day. It's a big responsibility. You know, telling someone's life story that ends up as a book is a huge task and it's not to be taken lightly. It's an important job and you will feel the weight of that. So you will, well, I can't speak for you, but I live and breathe the books that I write. I wake up in the night thinking, oh, that's a great opening line. I write it down at three o'clock in the morning and go back to bed. I wake up in the morning and think, I've just found out how to start that chapter. You know, so you're thinking about it a lot in your own time. And not just for, you know, the writing, but the, the entire duration from when the book begins to when the book ends up on the shelf. Now, you can charge a flat fee. You can charge a dollar or number of dollars per word fee. You can do a share of the royalties. You can do a cut of whatever products are sold off the back of the book. Um, there's all sorts of models that you can use. Um, personally, I prefer the, the 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 dollar per word fee or the, you know, the, the X number of cents per word, whatever that is. And the reason I like that is because it's easy for the client to understand. It's easy for me to understand. It's quickly established whether they can afford it or not. Um, now, what will that number be? Well, you can start with the standard journalist word rate, which is anywhere from, say, 50 cents a word and up. Um, word of warning, and this is just me and not everyone's me, but I wouldn't go under 50 cents a word to begin with. Let's say it's a fifty to 80,000 word book because you will regret it, right? Because there's a lot of work, right? But um, yeah, I would start from there and go up to whatever you think is right for you. Just as an example of how much time's involved, this is just one small moment. Um, reading the manuscript that you've written in full, like an 80,000 word project, that's two days minimum, right? Even just getting the transcriptions done, that could be a number of thousands of dollars. Paper alone, you know, your photocopy, blah, 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 right? And they, they, they're not even the big cost. The big cost is time. But I'm just saying to you that don't undersell yourself. And if you do, you will find that there's a lot of work and you might start resenting it. We don't want any kind of resentment. You want to give your all to your client. And that's why I do what I do, because I give them my all. And I don't hold back because I want this to be amazing. So you've got to charge a fee that will enable you to have that mindset and that spirit. And finally, do ghostwriters help with marketing? Well, mostly not. I do somewhat. I know that by the end of the writing process, because I've done this myself, the client is often pretty exhausted, right? Um and they've got businesses to run and families to bring up and all travel and all that kind of stuff that they do in their normal life. Um, and they've been writing this book and, and burning the candle at both ends. And as a result, they're pretty exhausted. So personally, I like to be of service to them at this time as well, because without a strong marketing plan, 
um, the book will not get the attention it deserves. So it will just literally sit on the shelf and die a little sad death. So for this reason, I do like to offer my clients some marketing and PR services, as I know it can make the difference between a book that gets noticed and a book that doesn't. So there you have it, the inside story of how to be a ghostwriter. You may like to offer it as a service to your clients and add a new string to your copywriting bow. I hope you found this episode useful and it gave you the confidence to think that maybe you could give ghostwriting a go as well. I'll leave you with one of my world-class jokes. So it's in the spirit of ghostwriting. Why do ghosts love elevators? It lifts their spirits. And this quote from Ruth Rendell, the wonderful crime author. I get a lot of letters from people. They say, I want to be a writer. What should I do? I tell them to stop writing to me and get on with it. And on that note, I'll say all the best and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au. This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writer Centre. Do you want to get started as a professional copywriter? Have a look at our course, Copywriting Essentials. Created by Bernadette Schwert, this five-week online course will teach you how to write words that sell and get paid to be creative. Find out more at writercentre.com.au slash copywriting. And thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au.